Hello, guys. All right, I think I'm good. Facebook just updated all of their stuff, so <laughs> I'm just kind of navigating. I apologize for being a little bit late. I um, I got overwhelmed with how many questions had been asked in the previous question box, so I was not as prepared as I would have liked, but I've taken a screenshot of all those questions and I'm ready to roll now. So apologies, but it is a good thing. The questions are epic. So it's gonna be a really nice um, live session tonight. For those who aren't aware, this live is going to be all on the um, recent release, recently released updated version of the Group C supplements or the overall AIS supplement framework. Um, there's a lot of changes, particularly in this group. So it's going to be a really, really cool session. It definitely hit a nerve. I think talking about, about both BCAAs and particularly magnesium are uh, topics that people are like, what? What are you saying? Like, what do you mean they're um, in Group C? So there's lots of things to chat about. Very excited to do that. For those who I haven't met, I am Alicia, I'm an advanced sports dietitian and I work for Compete Nutrition, but I'm also the founder of Compete Nutrition alongside my hubby Dan. And we are in all things tech startup land, as well as being dietitians to people like Matildas, um, Waratahs Rugby, uh, and a lot of epic individual, active individuals throughout Australia and also worldwide now. So it's been fun, it's been a wild ride. I'd be lying to say I wasn't tired this week. I'm feeling very, very tired this week. It's been really busy. Um, where I'm also working with um, the Matildas in the lead up to the Olympics and they're in Sweden at the moment. So I'm working off European time zone as well as Australian time zone. So it's been a lot. Um, it's been very big days, but it's also really exciting. Whenever I whinge about it, people are like, Alicia, you're tired because you're getting ready for the Olympics. Like not many people can say that. So that's true. So I will try to not whinge as much, but it doesn't take away that I am feeling very tired. But Dan was saying when I was getting ready tonight, he's like, oh, it's really nice to see you back on the live session. So thanks for having me because we used to do this weekly and it just got a little bit busy, but I'd love to get back into doing it. I do love it. Um, so thank you so much for joining me and thank you so much for your questions. Oh, and thank you so much for the love hearts. That means a lot. It does a lot for the algorithm for those playing at home to do love hearts and whatnot. Um, I am trying to work out... Um, the Facebook thing. It, it's it's interesting. Like I can see a little video. I think it says live. So I think I'm okay. Um, but before you all get bored and jump off, I will get started so that I don't bubble on. But um, if you're interested, we um, do have our app now ready for download. It is like early stages. We're still building it out, but it's like the early piece. So if you search um, Compete Nutrition in Apple or Google um, Play Store, um, we are on both Android and Apple. So feel free to have a squeeze. It's, um, it's going to grow with so many things to add, which is super ex exciting. Our tech team is epic. They're beautiful humans and, um, they put up with my BS all the time, but anyway, they, they put up with me basically. Um, but yeah, it's been really, really fun. Okay. Alicia, stop talking, get started. This is what you're all here for. Group C supplements. So for those who were asking what's in group A and B, we have covered them, but I will admit that was like maybe a month or two ago. So I will um, pop them into our stories and also review, but you can absolutely go back and watch the lives on um, both group A and group B. Um, and also of course, ask questions about them anytime tonight as well. Q and A's are literally that. I cover a bit about the um, supplements, of course, but um, shoot through questions anytime. On Instagram, you've got a little question box, um, but also feel free to shoot through comments. And Facebook, um, I can see your comments, Ooh, I think. Um, yes, I can see your comments. I'm working this out. Um, so yeah, feel free to do that. Thank you for the love hearts, guys. All right, now group C. Group A are like 
the pinnacle, right? Like they've got really solid evidence, low risk, really good evidence that they're actually going to work, but also do no harm as well. Group B are supplements that are showing like super potential, really worth um, further investigation, worth trialing, uh, and may have an impact on your performance. And Group C are a whole lot of supplements, um, mostly supplements that don't necessarily work, um, or they've been in Group B and the evidence just hasn't stacked up enough to keep them in Group B, which is where a lot have fallen this time around so a lot have gone from group b to group c which is what we'll be focusing on today because they're the ones that people really want to chat about um or the supplements that just have not enough evidence yet to put them into group b so they're kind of in little limbo land um we don't know if they're going up or down they could stay in group c or they could grow up into group b you know within you know one to two studies so it's a pretty interesting little place now, one, um, they're not banned. They're not a banned substance. They're um, relatively safe for use. So it's really about going, is it useful? Is it going to work? And is it worth my money? But also what's the risk reward? So that's what we'll kind of go through with that decision making today. Hopefully that helps. So drum roll for the first one, because this is where all the questions were to start with alongside BCAAs, but magnesium definitely won the most controversial award. Like, I feel like I really hit a nerve and I feel like people really took it personally. I just want to say like this uh, AIS framework was not my doing, although I do know who did it. Um, it's a very big group of people, experts in the field who have to actually, you know, take all these findings to the board and get them approved. And it isn't just looking at one or two papers. It is doing like a very thorough investigation review and decision-making process with a lot of people involved. So yeah, this is, please don't at me. I am just, you know, here just relaying what the findings were. So with magnesium, the proposed benefits are things that probably everyone is aware of. Like, you know, there's claims around um, the muscle relaxant side, um, the impact to mood, um, things like improving bone strength and bone healing alongside inflammation, um, reducing risk of muscle cramps, sleep. Have I said that twice? I think I may have. Anyway, all those types of things. Now, the big thing is, is that the research in this space is really lacking, like compared to how much um, time is given to the recommendation and the, um, I guess, push for magnesium supplementation, the actual evidence is quite low in a lot of areas. I'll go through some where it actually shows a bit of potential, but it really comes down to first of all going, is there a deficit? Are you low in magnesium? So if you are, if you have an intake that's low in things like um, avocado, seeds, nuts, um, some oily fish, um, but also whole grains, legumes, edamame, those types of things, think fiber. Usually you can usually get a pretty good kick of um, magnesium in there. If your intake is low in those foods, then yeah, chances are maybe a magnesium supplement is worth considering. But most of you, if you're, um, you know, looking at the um, benefits, health benefits of those types of intakes and those diets, it's very closely associated with the um, Mediterranean type diet, which is well evidenced for um, health. And magnesium just happens to come in um, to a lot of those foods. So is it an impact of fiber improving? Is it an impact of magnesium, the healthy fats, um, all those types of things? We don't necessarily know. However, when we're looking at um, a systematic review, um, when was it done? 2014, 
I think. Um, and it actually looked at um, a number of papers that was looking at um, how much magnesium people had in their day to day. They used, um, you know, food diaries and um, food frequency questionnaires and things. It actually showed that those who had higher intakes from food of magnesium had lower levels of CRP, which is a chronic low-grade inflammation kind of measure. So that was really interesting. Again, it wasn't magnesium supplementation. It was literally just looking at magnesium. So is it a thing of like, you know, maybe those foods high in magnesium happen to be high in other things that improve CRP? We just don't know. So it's just like a little basic kind of they did seem to correlate. Um, and that's where you kind of go, well, if your intake is low, if you've got low levels of magnesium, then possibly supplementing with that is absolutely a good idea. But it also should be food first. Like if there's an opportunity to increase your magnesium intake from food, then do that first. Then we consider magnesium supplementation because as you find out, it's not actually risk-free. Like uh, magnesium supplementation can turn ugly um, and that's why we need to consider if we use it. When it comes to impacts to performance, one of the main reasons in group C is that it's shown no real benefit to performance. So there's a couple of studies that showed, oh, maybe there's an improvement to a one rep max in times, but it's so hard to replicate. It was a poor quality study that it just wasn't able to be used to keep it and prop it up at group B. Um, when you're looking at things like... <clears throat> um, Oh, what did I miss in there? Things like mood, possibly. There's possibly something tied to improving mood. Others asked about um, sleep, I think. So when we're looking at the evidence, there's really no evidence when it comes to um, magnesium improving performance, which we've mentioned. Cramps, delayed muscle onset, delayed onset muscle soreness, so that's soreness after exercise, or sleep. The only um, studies that have been shown to improve sleep are in elderlies, uh, elderly, <laughs> older individuals with insomnia. Um, and other than that, the, there's no evidence that it improves sleep. So it's not to say it's not working for you. I think this is a really important thing. Like just because it's not shown in studies yet doesn't mean that you're wrong or that you're making it up that it's helping. It could absolutely be helping. And I'm not here to diss that. What you need to weigh up is going... Is it worth my investment? Do I feel it's helping? And do I have any issues with it? So issues could be one of the main ones is gut upset and diarrhea. Magnesium actually draws in water to your stool, to your poo. And so it can lead to diarrhea and gut upset. So it's important to note, like if you suddenly start to get those symptoms, maybe pull back on magnesium. You shouldn't be having super high doses. It should just be propping you up um, to what you're having in your day to day anyway. So just make sure you're aware of that. Um, I do have um, questions actually around magnesium, so let me let me ask the let me answer those first because that makes sense to do that now, right? <laughs> All right, here we go. Ah, if I can drive Dan's phone, hang on. All right. <clears throat> Oh, well, I'll start with a bad one. Um, why are women ex-physiologists prescribing large amounts of magnesium prior to female athlete periods? Okay, I know exactly who you're talking about. She's come up a few times in this discussion. It's interesting. There is an exercise physiologist who's taken on herself to take a whole lot of creative license with a book that she's released, um, uh, and it's not necessarily very evidence-based. So I think when we're reading books, we've got to consider the level of evidence that they're at uh, and books, particularly those that haven't been peer reviewed and they're not textbooks, they're 
very much novels with some scientific backing, I think we need to consider if we can't trust someone 110% of the time, we probably can't trust them any of the time because it becomes very hard to work out which one's fact and which one is an exaggeration of the facts. So it's really, really important. It's a very hard conversation that I've got to have with a lot of people because it's written so convincingly um, and it can feel really confronting to kind of go, is that actually fact? And to be honest, I don't like having to do it. But when people are taking these as fact, when the evidence is really quite low, it is very hard for me to take, but also, um, you know, have those conversations. So the other thing, I guess, um, moving through that is where magnesium fits in terms of um, premenstrual syndrome and all those types of things, because the recommendation that this lady is making is during, you know, that right before your menstrual cycle to take magnesium. And there's really poor evidence, to be honest, that it helps. There are some initial studies that have been done, um, but they're quite low quality and really hard to get a clear outcome and also consistent outcome. Uh, If you feel it helps you, then there is that connection to possibly help with mood. We do have fluctuations in how we use um, these different types of nutrients over the menstrual cycle, absolutely. Um, So if you feel that you've tried it and it works and you feel better, then it's definitely not to say that that's a thing that you should stop doing, Um, but just considering it's low evidence at the moment and more studies are absolutely needed to actually be sure that that's a thing that we um, can help with so um are there benefits to a magnesium supplement that's a good question to sum this section up um there could be but we're really early in the research so the areas that are showing most promise are in um, possibly improving mood um but really low evidence when it comes to the performance side of stuff um and you know maybe sleep as well um but more studies have to be done um Does magnesium help muscle aches like DOMS? Um, No, not at this stage. We haven't found any evidence that it helps. So not worth your money if you're doing it for that. Um, What is the form of magnesium that was researched? Maybe it's only in group C due to it being the form of magnesium used. Um, This whole AIS framework looks at multiple studies. It isn't just looking at one and going, there's no evidence. It's looking at the overarching body of evidence, the level of evidence that it's at, uh, and where that fits. So yeah, as a whole, it needed to be relegated to group C just because it wasn't showing as much promise as we'd hoped. And I think that's a really good point, right? Like our job as professionals isn't to, you know, try and disprove everything. Like we really hope that supplements work too. Like we want the best performance for our athletes. Like if we found out a supplement worked, we're not going to not use it or, you know, um, try and disprove it just for the sake of it. Like we want the best outcome for our athletes. So we're very, very um, obsessive in the best possible way to ensure that, you know, the risk to athlete is low, um, but also people are spending their money in the right places as well. Um, I'm just going to make sure I'm connected to the right internet here. It's doing a weird thing. Yeah, I am. Cool. In the elite space, do they take things like magnesium um, or are they steered away from it? No, there there are, like, I know elite athletes are taking magnesium. Um, It's not a banned substance. 
it is once it's in group C, it's kind of something that isn't encouraged. Um, there's not enough evidence to kind of push it to an athlete or say that it's you know worth their while. But if an athlete truly believes that it's helping, or if they're low in magnesium, then it's absolutely something to be considered. Um, but always food first, no matter what the level, like whether they're elite, professional, all the way down to active individual, food first, hundred percent. Like if you think about the foods that are high in magnesium, they're amazing. Like they're avo, seeds, nuts, fish whole grains, um, legumes, edamame, all these types of foods. So if we can have more foods like that, then we're actually going to be doing well overall health plus performance as well. Um, <clears throat> all right. I think I think that's the magnesium one. Let me move on because the next one, I should have split this up. It's going to be a big session. Anyway, the next one is BCAAs, also a big talking point. Now, BCAAs, for those playing at home, because someone was like, what does BCAA stand for? I was like, oh, stay innocent. Don't let me don't let me ruin you. Like, don't stress over BCAAs. It stands for branched-chain amino acids. Um, and basically, it's leucine, isoleucine, and um, <clears throat> valine. Now, it's usually in like a 2-1-1 ratio, so more leucine. Um, and to be honest, I learned something today about this that I'm horrified at and I'm horrified because I didn't know and I'm also horrified at the actual fact of what it is and it's because I didn't know what it's derived from. So a study done on BCAAs and where it's derived from and the study came out of China actually found that it was derived from things like animal feathers, fur, hair and skin. including some studies suggesting that it could also at times be um, obtained from human hair. So there's a lot for me to take in. It makes sense because where they need to get those amino acids from are high in the substance that is in those types of things. But I still found it really confronting because I think when it's in a tub as a powder, you don't necessarily think about it, about where it's from, because, you know, when you're thinking whey protein or um, other supplements, you kind of have a pretty good idea of where it's from. Like I, I, it's something that I've researched and I know well, and it's kind of on the label, but with BCAAs and these facts that I didn't know, I feel like I should have known. Um, I got a little bit blindsided and there is vegan options of, um, BCAAs if you're someone who takes them. Um, but yeah, I think we've got to consider like just because it's a supplement doesn't mean it's something that we want to be putting in our bodies. And yeah, I just found it really interesting. Um, and I, I think it's probably something that not many people know. Um, so that's your little fun fact. And I apologize if you're eating dinner and you had to listen to that little fact, but um, I think it's important that we all know, like I think sometimes supplements can be so normalized that we forgot, forget questioning. And I think I got checked then that I hadn't questioned enough either. Um, so when we're looking at it, <clears throat> there is some processed plant proteins that can be um, fermented to a point of getting the BCAAs. Um, they can also use genetically modified means to get it, or they can also derive it from the animals, um, things like fur, skin, those things that we've always talked about. So in case you're eating, I'm going to quit that bit and just continue on. 
Um, it is proposed to possibly help with endurance. It's something that I've trialed with some endurance athletes in the hope that they can go longer with less fatigue because of its um, interaction at the blood-brain barrier to reduce the risk of centralized fatigue. Um, there are claims that it can reduce DOMS, which is your delayed onset muscle soreness. And it's also um, possible that it can increase muscle mass. So they're all the claims, right? And they sound freaking good. Um, but when it comes down to it, when you're looking at, say, the studies, the systematic reviews that looks at BCAAs and if it's effective, the, the main one that shows that it, it could work actually compares BCAAs to having no protein at all. So it's really, really hard to go, okay, well, it does help, right? It does switch on that muscle protein synthesis. It's a good source of leucine. That makes sense. But it actually only switches on that synthesis pathway about half of what you would do if you were to have, say, your normal protein. So yes, BCAAs can work, but they're hardly ever the best option. Like if your your if your aim is to you know improve recovery, um, increase muscle mass, um, and all those things that it actually claims to do, there's a better man for the job anyway. So BCAAs are not something that should be in most people's intake, um, there's not a really good level of evidence and hence it going from group B to group C. Um, so the only time I would use it, if I was to recommend it, would be like if someone was really struggling to get enough protein in at their recovery um, and it could be used as, say, a bump up to that to try and get the you know leucine trigger happening, um, that might be an option. But that would be about it. Um, you know, the stuff with endurance athletes, I think it's still a really cool concept and it definitely works in theory, um, but the level of evidence is still coming out. So I hope that helps and hopefully I can save you some money. So do not. Okay. If you're someone who's having BCAAs plus protein, I'll stop that now. Like the BCAAs are already in your protein. You don't need to double up. Um, and if you're having BCAAs instead of protein, switch over go to a protein powder. Um, and if you are just having food and no protein powder or BCAAs, hallelujah, that is totally fine as well. You do not need to have supplements. Um, so that is BCAAs. Please send through questions if you need, but I will open up the BCAAs question because, you know, there's some good ones. All right. So BCAAs. Oh, where are we up to? Um, Dr. Stacey Sims says BCAAs is good prior to sport to help with DOMS and recovery. For those who didn't catch on, she's the exercise physiologist that's come up a few times now with questions around BCAAs and magnesium. And yeah, as you can see, there is actually is very poor evidence that that helps. Um, and please save your money. Um, she's an exercise physiologist, guys. Like, there's just... Mm, she's across her lane and I will leave it there. Um, all right. Uh, and I think that's a oh, benefit of BCAAs for women during specific times of their menstrual cycle. Yeah. Just answered that one. Don't stress it. Absolutely. Stay on top of your protein. Um, absolutely. Stay on top of your overall energy availability, uh, and keep those nutrients coming. Lots of color, lots of variety and, lean into those cravings and be okay with some moments where it's going to be you trusting a bigger appetite and being okay with that as well. All right, next one is vitamin E. So vitamin E had a time, like it really had a time. 
Oh, she's across the line. <laughs> yeah, look, I, oh, I have a lot to say, but I'm not going to say. Um, all right, vitamin E. So proposed to reduce oxidative stress and increase recovery. It's an antioxidant. So if you think about what you know about antioxidants, this is why vitamin E had a bit of a time of, well, maybe it can um, really help with recovery. Maybe it can really help with how we cope in training. But the thing is, some stress is good stress. Training is a stressor that can lead to adaptations and improve performance. And so we don't want to dampen all of that stress. And what was found was by supplementing chronically with vitamin E and vitamin C, your two antioxidants, it actually reduced your adaptations to training, particularly in that endurance space. Super interesting. That dulling of adaptation doesn't seem to happen when it's coming from a food antioxidant, but those high doses of um, supplementation coming from, say, the... um, capsules, for example, um, does seem to have a reduced impact um, to the adaptations you would get to training. So really, really important stuff and really, really worth considering. Now, in terms of um, its impact on like, um, you know, whether you'd want it, that kind of answers the question. And there's also very low evidence to see that it say that it works. Um, but also they're just now going, well, maybe there's a time to have it in those high risk periods of say for um, overall inflammation and overall um, recovery. So, you know, maybe in event periods where dampening the um, adaptations to training isn't necessarily an issue, then that could be something that's ventured into next. But at this stage, there's no evidence to um, consider doing that. Feel free to... Uh, Reach out. All right. So ALA, alpha lipoic acid, um, is something that some people might have heard of. Um, but basically, it's um, basically really critical to your energy metabolism. So how you create energy, it's a really important part to that. So a lot of supplements are thought of in this way. They look at the pathway of how we create energy um, and they go, well, that is that component's really, really critical, then maybe if we have more of that, then we'll create energy more efficiently or more energy and performance will get better. So usually start with that little hypothesis and you'll see when we go through phosphate, it's very similar, um, but there's no compelling evidence, unfortunately. So ALA, it may actually only help. There is some stuff that um, says that it might help with insulin sensitivity for diabetics. So that's really exciting and a a good piece to kind of venture down. But in terms of performance for athletes, there's not enough going on. Uh, And then that moves us to phosphate, which is similar um, in the way of it still being related to hopefully improving um, our performance through that energy pathway. Now, in theory, because phosphate is such a really important part of energy metabolism and the creation of ATP, which is your energy, um, it should be amazing. So more phosphate should definitely make sense. Um, But it so really like when they're looking at the hypothesis, it's like, well, it should increase aerobic capacity. um, It should increase peak power output um, and aerobic capacity. It should act as a buffer. All these types of things come out and it got really, really exciting. However, All of that didn't actually add up, unfortunately. So um, when they looked at the studies, they actually couldn't show any um, increases in phosphate within the muscle where it should be stored um, with increased phosphate through supplementation. Um, So it remains unclear. I I think they'll still research it. I think more research will hopefully come out and continue to try and have a look. But at the moment, um, there's not enough to um, recommend taking it. Uh, And also there is a risk of GI distress with it. So, yeah, that kind of was that feel free to write through questions too if you're phosphate 
nerd and you love the energy metabolism pathways, then we can definitely chat through that. But yeah, it's really interesting. Like the more must be better kind of approach doesn't necessarily always add up, but um, it was a good theory for sure. Another one to mention that's moved groups is tyrosine. So tyrosine um, is something that there was theoried to possibly help with endurance performance, particularly in the heat. It's actually something that I was trying years ago. So when I did Ironman Busso in 2011, 2012, oh, it's bad. I can't remember the year. Anyway, um, it was going to be really hot. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to use myself as a guinea pig. I'm going to try these stuff. And tyrosine was one of those supplements um, that I trialed just to see if it helped or if I felt like it, you know, was perceived important um, improvement. Um, it's, it's theoried to compete at the blood brain, brain barrier to increase dopamine synthesis, which can improve, um, your capacity within endurance in the heat and in the heat that can be a factor that plays a really big part in stopping you performing at your best. However, unfortunately it didn't help in that way in terms of performance, but it may help with cognitive important, uh, let me start again. Um, cognitive cognitive performance in the heat. So that's still um, something that's being looked at. So, you know, worth um, looking into um, possibly in the future, but at the moment there's not enough evidence um, to say that it's, you know, worth putting on that podium of, say, that group A or group B supplement to have. Um, another one that had, and I think still is having an okay time, is HMB. You'll see it in supplement stores. If you've been in supplement stores, you would have definitely seen it. Um, it's a metabolite of leucine. So leucine's like your famous um, amino acid when it comes to muscle protein th- synthesis or building muscle. And so anything attached to leucine gets a little bit of a time. So it's claimed to reduce um, the DOMS, the delayed onset muscle soreness, and also possibly improve recovery because of its um, relationship with leucine. However, it as as much as it can stimulate that muscle protein synthesis, far out, it must be too late. I cannot get my words out, people. Um, it's actually not as good as leucine or, you know, having protein, so it's not really worth our time. Um, the only thing that it's possibly showing potential with, and um, this has been a really interesting thing to watch, is possibly reducing the impact of muscle disuse in the elderly And this is where I freaking love sports nutrition, right? Like it's, that all starts in athletes and high performance. And then you see all this really cool stuff trickle into the, um, all different populations. And I really, really love that. So that'll be really exciting if that helps with that. And the last one, because, Hey, I've spoken for long enough is prebiotics. So prebiotics, you would have heard of probably probiotics, um, and prebiotics are like your food for the microbiome in your gut. So they are absolutely important. There is no getting around it. Prebiotics are such an important part of your intake through food. Um, they come in without you even realizing it. So thinking about all those fiber-rich foods, you know, those foods that I started about that are high in magnesium are high in prebiotics. So they definitely help in terms of the microbiome and health. There's no, there's no question of that. Like um, the research in there is so, so cool. But when it comes to supplementing with, you know, alone prebiotics, so um, that's where it's a little bit iffy on if it actually helps. The only thing that showed potential was um, one called GOS, 
and that may reduce the risk of um, getting traveler's diarrhea. So there is an increased risk of gut upset and diarrhea when you travel for numerous reasons, and it may help reduce that risk. So that was a really nice finding, but not enough to go, oh, prebiotics are a really core part of performance nutrition or um, performance recovery and all those types of things. But it's not to say that prebiotics aren't important. It's prebiotics as a supplement aren't necessarily in a place where they have strong evidence yet. All right. Sorry, scrolling. Is there somewhere where we can catch up on group B? Absolutely, James. Um, I will send you the link after this actually, um, and I'll show you the video. And there's also, I'll also make sure that I pop it on the podcast as well. I think I'm behind on that. I'm behind on life, guys, sorry. Um, just making sure I haven't missed any questions. Sorry, team. Um, all right, done. Okay. Good session. Look, I went a little bit over, but I also started late. Oh, now I'm stuck. Eh, eh, can't drive. <laughs> there we go. Oh, at least we're in technology. All right. Awesome. So I think there was some like really good questions in there. I loved all the questions people went through. So what I'm going to do is just make sure I've got everyone's here. But thank you for joining me again. It's been so nice to come back. All right. Is athletics green, athletic greens worth the dollars? Really good question. I need to. I promised him that I'd, this guy, I would do a um, post on this specifically. Um, lots of interest in this one. In, t- in terms of just any green um, powders, honestly, if you have an intake that's suboptimal, so you might be traveling, you might be on the road, you might have low access to lots of variety of foods, or you might just have like really still learning to love veggies and variety and a range of veggies, then you can absolutely add it in. It's low risk. You can have it. Um, If you've got an intake that is full of variety, um, full of um, different colors, and you're doing that daily and you're enjoying it, then chances are you could probably save your money. The biggest thing that I repeat so often is, is it necessary? Is there a deficit? Because more isn't always better. Like we've seen that multiple times, particularly with supplements. So consider, do I actually need this? Do I need to invest the money in this? Or can I do it differently? Can I do it with food? And if the answer is no, if you're hitting no all the time, then, you know, considering a buffer and considering an insurance policy, if you like, at times could be something to consider. But it's not to say you always need it either. So it can just be something that you fall back to on days where you are on the road or you are traveling or you haven't hit, you know, all your veggies today and you'd love to make sure you've got that insurance policy, then that's okay. But I would never say it's an essential. Um, And I have never said that it was an essential. So (laughs) I hope that helps. I actually went into a supplement store once. Just I do my little mystery shopping. Um, And they asked me, they were like, oh, where do you buy your fruit and veggies from? And I was like, oh, usually just the supermarket because, hey, I ain't got time for all the shopping these days. I used to love the markets and whatnot, though. And he looked at me with horror. Like he was like, oh, like so much judgment. Oh, and I was like, what? He's like, well, there's no nutrients in fruit and veggies from the supermarket. Like, you're going to need a greens powder. I was like, oh, am I? 
<laughs> don't worry guys I walked out without buying anything but I can see why people get really sucked in like I did feel like I was being judged but I also felt guilted into probably needing something like a greens powder so supplements companies are extremely good at sales so it's really important to kind of be really aware of that going in and also being really focused on what you actually need if you go into a supplement store or a supplement store environment um have you ever used the subs you've spoken of and why did you use them Okay, I have tried tyrosine um, during Ironman and during training for Ironman, obviously. You don't try something new on race day, people. Um, and I wanted to try it to see if I coped better in the heat and also to see if my focus and concentration could be better. Here's the thing. I don't know because I only did one Ironman, so I have nothing to compare it to. But anyway, it didn't harm, um, but I also don't know if it helped. Um, I also, I'm just looking at my list to make sure I haven't forgotten anything here. Um, I have trialed magnesium. Um, can't remember why. Definitely taken it before. Um, and BCAAs I haven't had. No. Hope that helps. <laughs> um, cool. All right, team. Well, I have taken up enough of your Thursday. But far out, I felt great. I feel grateful that you've joined me, everyone. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Please send through your questions anytime. It's my it's my love language. Your questions. I love trying to help with food. So, um, all questions are welcome. Um, and reach out anytime via the direct messages on our um, comment section of our posts. We are here, and we'll also release this on the Compete Waffle podcast. If you haven't joined yet, do that because there are some very cool guests coming up. Um, the last couple I've done are, have actually got accents, so we're going global, which is a little bit fun. Um, so yeah, make sure you tune in. We've got one being released tomorrow with one of our Compete team um, and her story, and then um, the next one is going to be from a beautiful human from the US. So I'm um, looking forward to releasing that. Okay, I've talked enough. I'll just make sure I haven't missed any. No, we're good. See you team. Have an awesome night and we'll chat very soon. Bye. See you guys. Thanks so much for joining.